0: now let's begin
1: A Star Trek podcast. I am uh, a member of the crew of podcasters that make up this podcast. My name is Chris Lockhart. Uh, joining me, uh, in no particular order, first up, Ragnar. How's it going, Ragnar? Well, good. Hello, everyone. And uh, next is Curtis Hollomay. How's it going, Curtis? Awesome, thank you. Excellent. And last but not least, we have Richard Sabo. How's it going, Rich?
0: Not
2: too bad. Ready to get her done.
1: Let's get to it. Excellent. And as we were just talking about, just before we started recording, um, we're uh, this episode we're going to be covering Enterprise Season 2.5. Um, it's been a while. Uh, since we covered season 2.0 uh, that episode went on the air or up on the internets July 18th um, I mean we did do an episode since then uh it's just it's with summer and and everyone being busy and everything um yeah it's just it's been a while and uh and now we're back um all right well let, let's let's kick off uh season 2.5. Um, and then, and then, uh, then after that, uh, I got some, some, uh, other space shows I wanted to just talk about briefly and, and maybe we'll catch up and, and see where we're all at. Um, all right. So the next episode of, uh, Star Trek Enterprise season two is episode 14th of the season 40th of the series. And that is Stigma. Uh, Star Date Unknown, directed by David Livingston, written by Rick Berman and Brian Braga. Original air date February fifth, two thousand and three. Um, in this episode, is re- it is revealed that Subcommander DePaul has a degenerative disease. Uh, Panar is it Panar syndrome? Panar syndrome uh, contracted. Pinar, yeah. Yeah, from her mind meld infusion, she must be. She is face being ostracized by Vulcan society and losing her position on Enterprise. Um, So really, um, you know, this is kind of the equivalent of, you know, the Enterprise's version, uh, you know, them talking about sexually transmitted diseases, because kind of, because in that episode Fusion, she was forced into that mind melt, so it was kind of like she was mind raped, I guess. Um well th-
2: initially she did agree and then in the middle of it she decided that it wasn't for her and then he continued and then that's when it became mm. the that's when the problem started. Like if, if she said like no, yeah, then that's when you stop. You know what I mean? <coughs> yeah. And that's what he should have done. But either way
3: beyond that point, whatever you want to call it. Exactly.
2: And but I I think that she would have contracted it regardless. Because it's something that just happens, because I mean, they haven't done that in a long time, perhaps. But is
4: it, <laughs> it's so hard know. not to make sexual innuendos here, man. <laughs> I know. I'm trying <laughs> to be. I'm trying to be more professional, but, but also a good metaphor for the rules of consent.
1: Mm-hmm. So um,
4: that part, that part's
1: good.
0: Yeah.
1: So, and also the B story in this episode is the one with Phlox's wife. Um, where she's coming on to uh, trip. Um,
3: Probably my favorite B story
1: in Star Trek, honestly. Yeah. 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 Phlox is like, yeah, whatever. Like He doesn't care. Well, yeah. Phlox has, what, three wives, I think? Or five wives? Yeah. yeah and then, wives, and, they, and they, they all have three husbands. Yeah, and they all have hus- yeah. But well,
3: he wasn't um, just apathetic. He was downright encouraging. He's <laughs> yeah. like,
4: bro, you're lost, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you say no to a, like a beautiful, healthy, denobulan woman? What is going on with you?
4: I don't know, man. I don't so know want to go down that road,
1: to be honest. Um, honestly, I'm down. <laughs> and I also just wanted to throw out there that this episode opened with a tribute to the crew of the space shuttle Columbia, which uh, I, uh, it would have like blown up. I guess a few weeks before this episode aired. Oh, okay. Uh, So yeah. Um, so Ragnar, uh, I don't really have any thoughts on this episode besides what I already said. So Ragnar, do you have any, any more thoughts?
4: Well, not really the, you know, the B plots very amusing. And, uh, I think there is a good metaphor for, you know, consent and, and relationships and, and, I mean to a certain extent it kind of is an STD mm-hmm. and uh I you know that was actually fairly clever how they worked with it um, but yeah other than that no no
1: well and, and I I agree with you like um I think with like uh Roddenberry Berman era Star Trek like that's how they addressed issues like you know rape and, and stuff like, like they didn't hit you over the head with it they found other ways of of addressing it without you know coming right out and saying it right whereas like new Star Trek like you know it, it's just a matter of time before you know there's an actual rape on on discovery you know like it you know because they, they they their writers can't you know think of a you know, a better way. You know, not a, not a better way, but uh, a way of addressing it without just coming right out and addressing it. Like it's the writing's so bad with new Star Trek right now.
3: No subtlety.
1: Yeah, there's no subtlety. There's no. You
3: know. No faith in the audience to divine the correct message.
4: It has to be beaten into them. Yeah. I um. I caught an episode of Below decks on TV so, while I was while I was in a hotel room recently. Mm-hmm. And I watched I watched about 10 minutes of it and I didn't even chuckle. Um, I get what they were going for and
3: I think Was it the one where they butchered the plot of Naked Now? Yeah,
4: no. Um, okay. I heard about that one. I think if they had written it just a little bit better like if they got writers who were funnier but still like Star Trek it could have been good because some of it was like, okay, this is pretty Star Trek, but then some of it was like, now nah, this is stupid. So I don't know. I, I only watched ten minutes of it before I turned it off. But uh, I don't know. Even that one didn't really do it for me. Yeah, so I, I really think I, I really think Star Trek ended for me when, more or less, when Enterprise ended.
1: Yeah, I'm really, you know, fingers crossed. Strange New Worlds will be better. Um. You know, because Anson Mount, like I know, he didn't quite come out and say his issues with uh, Discovery, but it was cut. Kind of, there, he he did this one convention where they were talking to him, and he, you know, and it was just he he made some innuendos about not being happy with, you know, the production of Discovery. But then he signed on for Strange New World, so I'm hoping, you know, maybe you know he'll bring a little bit of. Common sense to to Star Trek. I, I don't know. I also thought that of Patrick Stewart with Star Trek Picard, and yeah, and that Picard was like. Well, the problem the is, was... is
2: that Patrick Stewart is sort of on board with this whole new culture, right? Like, yeah, he's kind of like.
1: Is it uh, almost in a way, you know? You know, and, and I don't mind you know doing new things and, and 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 you know trying different things, but the writing has to be good. Like that's what that like that's what's yeah. killing new Star Trek is the writing.
4: I I gotta agree with Chris on that one. The the writing of Picard is what was so terrible. You you want to make it about you want to make it echo or mirror things that are current in our society. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I've got no problem with that. Just don't beat me over the head with it. Just work it in, you know? Like, DS9 had so many great examples of this. Um, And, you know, they could work in an issue, even a very sensitive one, and they didn't have to smack you over the head with it and be like, here's a giant sign, look what we're doing. We're such good people because we're bringing attention to this. Like, DS9 had subtlety and i think that's what's lacking in the writing is that they're just there's no subtlety there's no subtext they, they, you know yep. they just assume the audience is too stupid to understand anything like that but then they have all sorts of weird plot twists that are so convoluted that it's like how the hell does anybody know what's going on in this show
1: well there i don't so, I, I don't even think they're convoluted writing. they're just stupid you know like you you're, yeah. you you know you're thinking well you know either they're geniuses or they're idiots and they're and they're they're definitely idiots. By the end of the oh, the, they're idiots. The, the show because it needs to believe that they're geniuses. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, like, which is the worst. Because like, yeah. uh, like uh, when rag like when we were talking to Ragnar about uh, the new Game of Thrones series, and you said, well, I'm uh, you know, I'm gonna you know see what people say about the first episode. Like with Star Trek Picard, like I said, that first episode I thought was good. You know, like, you know, they were setting up all this stuff, like, you know, Data's coming to Picard and Dreams, you know, he had a daughter that he painted, you know, 20 years before, like, what, you know, what's the meaning of that? You know, what's the Romulans doing with the Borg Cube? What, you know, uh, like, what, like, what's going on here? And And then, like, so much of those questions never got answered, because it's like they forgot, you know? But, anyway... Yeah, it's the it's yeah. Anyway, we're we're talking enterprise. Like, I'm sorry, I that, that's my fault <laughs> um, for bringing up New Star Trek. So, Curtis, your thoughts on uh, on stigma?
3: Okay, well, I actually made some notes on this one, so buckle up. Excellent. Um, first of all, I really oh. appreciate Denobulans so much as a race, especially after this episode because you kind of got to see more than one, which was cool. Um, I don't have too much to say on them, but man, I love. When there's more than just flocks, flocks is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so let's see. To Paul in this episode, refused to disclose that her mind meld was involuntary because she didn't want to condone the prejudice of the Vulcan authorities, right? Yeah. So that's that's kind of an interesting. I watched it just the other day, and I was thinking. Actually, I think it was yesterday. I watched it, and. It was strikingly relevant to the current state of what's what's going down in the world today. Um, there's like socially condoned prejudice based on medical status starting to emerge,
0: mm-hmm.
3: which is exactly the same thing that's going on in this episode. And I'm not going to stand here and make any any statements about that one way or the other. But maybe like maybe themes really do just repeat over and over again throughout human history, and it just goes in a big cycle because. You know, we do something, and then we forget, and then we have other problems, and then we do something again, and, like, I don't know. Maybe we're just going in circles as a species. Maybe we need to just slow down and ha- give things to think once in a while. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a decent enough episode. Um, didn't really stand out to me, but really enjoyable from the B-plot.
1: Excellent. Uh, Richard, your thoughts?
2: Um, I agree with everything that Curtis said and I, I like this episode because it's a little bit of I want to say like future foreshadowing because this is in a time before mind melds were like an everyday thing mm-hmm. and in modern Vulcan like you know in TNG and even, even in TOS mind melds were pretty commonplace And this is the beginning of that. And almost even called
3: them enlightened Vulcans, honestly. It's like they're legit from the future and where it's okay, right? Yeah. Like Spock and Tubac and all that.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I just I appreciate that that's the beginning of that. Like that's important. Paul is essentially a pioneer of you know, for Mm -hmm. her entire race. And aside from that, I really enjoyed the episode. Um, I love the B plot because, aside from, like, obviously, like, an attractive Denobulan, the. T- oh, no. Phlox's wife. Sorry, I had a blank for a second. Phlox's <laughs> wife is just, like, she's just uh, an enjoyable character, you know? She's just kind of fun and, she's, and happy. She's sexy, honestly. Right?
0: Yeah. It's got
3: nothing to do with, like, the physical attraction. She's just got this, like, confidence thing going on, like a hundred percent sure of herself, sure of what's going on, big smile all the time. Those are no good smiles, man. I
2: gotta, I yeah, right? And like,
3: that's it was so appealing about that character. Like, I want to spend time with that chick just because of like her attitude. You know?
2: Yep. And honestly, like that's the kind of person I like. You know, she had no no pretentiousness, no airs of like, you know, I'm I'm a multi multi-PhD, you know, type person. Like, she was just an everyday kind of person, and it was awesome. And she just seemed like a really great chick. So, uh, aside from that, that's pretty much all i got to say about the episode.
1: Excellent. All right, well, the next episode is episode 41 of the series, 15th of the season, and it's Cease Fire, date Unknown, directed by David Strayton, written by Chris Black. Uh, original air date February 12th, 2003. Um, all right. So, th- in this episode, Captain Archer attempts to negotiate a ceasefire between the Andorians and the Vulcans. So, again, another Jeffrey Combs episode. We had Susie Plaxon as Tara. Uh, Susie Plaxin, uh played uh, Kalar on uh, TNG, and she was also Dr. Salar on TNG. That's right. Um, we had uh, Admiral Forrest in this episode. We've had Gary Graham as, as Saval. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was, uh, I like this episode. <clears throat> it's, uh, oh, yeah, and, uh, Susie Plaxton also played, uh, female Q on, uh, Star Trek Voyager. Uh, yeah.
0: Um,
1: so, yeah, um,. You know, uh, Archer and T'Pol are on the surface with Shran and, and uh, Saval, and the Enterprise, or Tucker's in command of the Enterprise, and the Andorians and the Vulcans are going to fight each other. Um, overall, yeah, it was a good episode. Um, anytime you got the Andorians and the Vulcans going at it, that's uh, that makes for a good episode for me. Uh, Curtis, <laughs> your, your thoughts on this episode? Let me just pull up the
3: notes. Sorry, my computer is so disorganized. That's okay.
1: Not a problem, um,
3: buddy. So the thing I just watched this one yesterday, too, because I was trying to, like, in a panic, refresh myself of what happened this season.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, so the thing I like about this one, so wall is an awesome example of the Vulcan arrogance from this particular time period that we started to see emerging in the last episode
0: mm-hmm. in
3: Stigma. Uh, he displays outright... Like, irritation and frustration. <laughs> when he's sitting down with Archer trying to brief him on the situation, which is like so much for your vaunted emotional control. Um, And we get to see more displays of loyalty between Archer and Topal, which is cool because it's like, creates such a contrast between the type of Vulcan that Saval is mm-hmm. and the, the type of Vulcan that Topal is. Topal is like a forerunner, like, like a forward thinker among her race. Like, it's, you know, if, if they knew about the character when they were writing TNG, I'm sure they would have had something, or even TOS. She would have been like a philosophical figure, you know, in their, not really history, because she'd probably just be like a grandmother
2: by the time TOS rolled around or something, but. She'd be close to the same age as to Pow, who wasn't TOS. Hmm. Yeah.
3: Anyway, all I'm saying, um, Really just illustrates like the divergence, the beginning of the divergence of the the Vulcan culture that we'll see later on. Mm-hmm. Um, final thoughts: Andorian women are so hot, especially badass ones with Oh, bones. you like the Andorians? And I again, hell yes. I might be totally okay if that Andorian chick did things to me at gunpoint. That would probably be cool.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I could probably I could probably get down. <laughs> Don't go too far into details here. I know didn't you planned the details. Don't go too far.
3: I <laughs> didn't plan to. Wrapping it up, wrapping it up. The the episode ends with an Andorian, a human and three Vulcans having a drink around a table. And that's like that could really be considered the first step toward the United Federation of Planets. Mm -hmm. This episode is not to be underestimated whatsoever.
1: Excellent. Uh, Rich, your thoughts?
2: I don't know how much else I can say. Like, I thought it was a great episode. And also that Saval sort of, you know, lightened up, you know, over the Mm -hmm. course of the episode. Like, you you can see the change and you can see, like, okay, maybe I'm not as, you know, freaking smart as I think I am, or I'm, Vulcans may not be the all-powerful, all-knowing race in the universe. And you kind of see that and him open up a little bit, and it is It's more foreshadowing. I love, one thing I love about Enterprise is that it's essentially like filling in all of the gaps that the other series didn't really go into the most detail on. Mm-hmm. That's, like, one thing, like, I really like about it, like, all of the Vulcans, all of the history, and there's going to be more and a lot that we've already covered, and with Andorians, Tellarites, it even shows, like, Ferengis, they even talk about, they mention, um, like, Cardassian, uh, like, food and stuff, so, and, of course, with more stuff in the future, I can't wait to talk about, but, yeah, it's just... Yeah, it was a good episode. I liked it, and like I just said, do not underestimate and do not sleep on this episode.
1: Excellent, uh, Ragnar. Your thoughts, sir? Well, not not to like take
4: away from what Richard was just saying, but for me, this episode isn't all that exciting. Although it's not a boring episode, but it's sort of it's like a building block episode. So you need to watch this episode, but it's less about what happens in this episode and how this episode is as a whole, and more about you need to know this information so you'll get what's going to happen in future episodes. Mm-hmm. It's so I, I, you know, I would say you, you should watch this episode, but not necessarily because it's an awesome episode, more just because you might miss out on key information later if you skip this one. Um, and other than that, just the, you know, the usual shout out to, uh, our favorite Andorian slash Gorta slash Frankie slash reanimator <laughs> 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 slash,
1: um, he, right he
4: steals, he steals every scene that he's in. So,
1: yep. Yes. Uh, I, I was very disappointed. Uh, again, I'm going to be talking about, uh, Star Trek, uh, new Star Trek. Um, Because apparently there was like this, um, I don't know, like someone started a petition to get Jeffrey Combs to play Dr. Boyce on uh, Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds. Um, So for those who don't know, uh, in the original pilot, Dr. Boyce was the doctor on on Enterprise. He was an older guy. And, uh, you know, he was... Basically, kind of what Doctor McCoy became for Kirk. You, you know, he was like the the guy that Pike went to to, to talk things through. Um, and I think that would have been brilliant casting to have doc to have Jeffrey Combs as Doctor Boyce because he Doctor Boyce is just a human, uh, so it'd be just Jeffrey Combs as he is now uh, in Star Trek. Um, but you know, they went a different that would, yeah. That would have been
0: awesome.
1: Oh yeah, it would have been, but. I guess Dr. Boyce won't be on this series. It'll be a different doctor, uh, an African-American oh. doctor. Uh, and it is the same doctor that we saw on the original series. Uh, I can't remember the name oh. of the doctor's name. Um, he, he was on episodes, uh, two or three episodes, um, whenever Dr. McCoy wasn't around. He was the doctor that was in sickbay. Like when McCoy was with Kirk on the oh, planet, okay. he was the doctor that was in sickbay. Um so they, they, you oh, know that's cool too. Then, yeah, it, it it is. I just wish they would have, uh, you know, shown some good faith to the to the old school fans and, and give give us this. You know, like having Jeffrey Combs on there would have been amazing. But anyway, next episode uh, is forty two of the series, sixteenth of the season, and that's Future Tense. Stardate unknown, directed by James Whitmore Jr. Written by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strawn. Original air date, February 19th, 2003. Um, So for this episode, um, the discovery of a derelict pod with a long-dead human pilot opens up a mystery. Some of the crew speculate that he is the first human to invent warp technology, except from Cochrane, but DNA profiling reveals the remains are not his. Um, Commander Tucker and Lieutenant Reed examine the mysterious pod and discover via floor panel that it is larger on the inside than the outside. They also uh, recover a device from the core, which is still has a weak energy signature. Uh, shortly afterwards, the Suleban ar- arrive and claim salvage rights. Uh, so in this episode, again, so we had, again, we had Admiral Forrest and we had, uh... We didn't have what's-his-name... Uh, Sil- I think it's Cilic. Um We had a different Sulabon. Um I like this episode. I thought this was really cool, especially when they did the time loop things, like when uh, when Tucker and, and Reed realize that they're repeating the same thing over and over again. Um... I thought that was really cool, you know, and, and bigger on the inside than the outside. Like, I mean, that's straight from Doctor Who. Yeah,
4: um, I, I was going to say the little Doctor Who joke there was pretty great.
1: Yeah, I, I, I actually really liked this episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, Richard, your thoughts, sir? Oh, Richard?
3: Richard, are you muted?
2: I was muted, oh, sir, then... No worries. Uh, yes. Uh, just saying that I um, I don't have much else to say from what you said. I just I typically enjoy the uh, uh, more time travel-esque episodes. I just find them to be more fun, and they're just enjoyable, and some really cool techno about which I also really enjoy. <laughs> but aside from that, that's uh, pretty much all I got to say about that episode.
1: Well, and and I also like the fact that... Um you know, the Zephram, you know, they thought this could be Zephram Cochran, you know, because in this I, time... I
4: was really excited at first when when they said that. I was like, whoa, that would be so
1: cool. Well, w- but we know it's not Zephram Cochran because he was in the original yeah. series, right? So, yeah. but I mean, at this point in history, they don't know what happened to him, you know? So I was like, that's... Cause, so we as the, like me as, a, as the viewer at the time, like I knew it wasn't Zephram Cochran, but I thought that was neat that they're like, Hey, this could be him. This could be, you know, one of his warp ships. Um, yeah, I, I like that little touch, but Ragnar, go, uh, sorry, go ahead. What are your thoughts on this episode?
4: Well, uh, basically general agreement with everything everyone said, the, the little, you know, it's bigger on the inside. Dr. Who joke was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would have been really neat if it had been, Zeph- you know, Zephyrin, but, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, it's a good episode. Um, you know, generally speaking, the temporal Time War episodes are all pretty good. Um, the Sulubans are a pretty good villain. They're they're pretty easy to hate. They're kind of gross and invasive, you know. mm mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, pretty good episode overall, you know. I still don't, like, season two still didn't quite kick it into high gear for me. But, you know, season two is a little bit more exciting than season one for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, that's all I got to
1: say. And Curtis, your thoughts, sir?
3: I really dig this episode as I do with, um, most episodes where they mess with time, which I, you know what? I'm going to call it time foolery. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It was cool. figuring, you know, trying to figure out like who the hell is the pilot? Um, I don't know. I don't have a lot to add. Super enjoyable episode. Um, Just delightful. Excellent.
1: All right. Well, the next episode is episode 43 of the series, 17th of the season. And that's Canamar. Stardate Unknown, directed by Alan Croker, directed by John Shibon. Original air date, February 26th, 2003. All right. So for this episode... Um, mistaken for smugglers, Captain Archer and Commander Tucker find themselves on a prisoner transport ship. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they, they're on this prison ship and they got to fight to, to get themselves off. Um, other than that, I don't, you know, this was an okay episode. Uh, phrasing, I, I,
2: Chris, phrasing.
1: Fra- phrasing?
2: Yeah, the, the sentence of fighting to get themselves off.
1: <clears throat> oh. oh, gotcha. Um, all right. Uh, who's next, Ragnar? What What are your thoughts on this episode?
4: Well, actually, this is one of the,
1: at least for me, in
4: season two, I think this is one of the better episodes. Um, I like a good old prison break and Mm -hmm. you know that's what this one's about I also thought it was funny that they're wrongfully accused because that makes sense that that kind of stuff especially pre-federation that kind of stuff would happen all the time Um, whether the motives are political or racial or whatever you know like like one species better than another species in their own mind kind of stuff (laughs) it would happen all the time. And so I thought that was a I thought that was kind of neat and um, overall I thought it was a pretty good episode.
1: Excellent. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts. Eh I mean, <laughs> I
0: don't know. I
3: just it was all right. I didn't care for it a whole bunch that annoying dude did a really good job being annoying. Oh, so that's props true. to that
1: actor! Oh yeah, He's yeah. Little brother, yeah,
3: <laughs> just wouldn't shut up. I don't know. It, it was one of those, you know, predictable. Okay, I've seen this episode before. I'm pretty sure. You know, I think TNG did it better with that two-parter, but yeah.
1: it was all right. All right, and Richard, your thoughts.
2: I, I enjoy it. It's one of those every other watch through episodes. It's not particularly um, important in the storyline, but it's a fun episode on the on the side. But yeah, it's a it's a jailbreak, and who doesn't really love a jailbreak aside from Curtis? That's about all. I <laughs> to <say>
1: about that. <laughs> well, and and this is uh, uh, also another episode in the saga of Archer must suffer. You know, he, he he takes a good beating in this episode. Um, the the yeah, chief, o, the really chief O'Brien of Enterprise. More than like anything. Yeah,
4: you well, got a good point there. I never thought about before, but you got a good
1: point. I I think if you compared him and Chief O'Brien, it'd be it'd be tough, man. Like who who took more of a beating in their in their Star Trek career? Um,
3: Archer took it physically. O'Brien took it psychologically, for sure.
1: Yeah. Although
4: yeah, I agree with that.
1: Although Archer psychologically, like I mean, season three he had a lot on his shoulders. You know, like literally. Oh yeah. You know the he has to see. You he got kind. straight
3: up obsessive.
4: Though.
1: Yeah. Do you, so, well, really
3: good for his character, but oh, mm-hmm. dude, I guess.
4: Yeah, season three for me when Archer finally got in.
1: <clears throat> yep. Yeah, he definitely did grow a lot in that season. Um, all okay, right. Season one and two, he was a little
4: bland, to be honest.
1: Uh, I, I, loved him because he's Scott Bakula. I, I love Scott Bakula. <laughs> I'm, I'm a quantum, I'm a quantum leak fan. So when I heard he got, he was Captain yeah. Archer, I was, I was, pretty stoked. Um, all right. So next episode is 44th of the series, 18th of the season. And that is the crossing Stardate unknown, directed by David Livingston. Teleplay by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, story by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, and Andre Bormanis, uh, original air date April 2nd, 2003. Um, So, incorporeal beings attempt to take over the Starship Enterprise. At the start of the episode, Enterprise is taken inside an enormous alien spacecraft of unknown origin, and the aliens take over various crew members' bodies. Later in the episode, the crew takes shelter in the catwalk, which has enhanced shielding. Um, and that's about all I got. I, I, I honestly don't remember this episode at all, uh, other than, I, th- yeah, them going into that catwalk or whatever. Um, Curtis, your thoughts, sir?
3: Sorry, I got something going on. Can you come back to me please?
1: Sure. Uh Richard, uh your thoughts, sir.
2: Um, honestly, I don't know if it was my favorite episode. It was all oh, right. But those sort of like mind control habitation episodes aren't really my jam. There was a there was a couple in uh T N G and, and whatnot that I Yeah. This is a it's probably a, usually a skipper for me. I don't think it's real, really relative to the overall plot.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, gotta... I agree. You know, like they did it in TOS as well, and I'm like, eh. oh, I guess they did it in, um, well, did they do it on Deep Space Nine? Well, I guess Keiko got taken over by Paul Rafe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Paris.
4: Yeah.
2: There was that episode where they they actually you know they, they did. All of them got most of them got mind controlled in some fashion and that's when Cisco built that crazy cool steampunk clock.
1: Yeah. But they weren't being mind controlled though. They were just like no like you know an alien wasn't taking over them. They were just paranoid, wasn't it? Didn't it, something enhance their there paranoia? Was something
2: something in particular that was like you know, changing the way they were thinking.
1: Yeah. But, anywho. Um, Ragnar, your thoughts, sir?
4: Um, I liked how the episode started with the, the giant ship swallowing <clears throat> up Enterprise. I thought that was really cool. mm mm-hmm. um, But then, at, as it went on, I'm kind of like, ah, I feel like I've seen this episode before. Um, they, you know... Other Star Treks have done this and it ended up being not that great of an episode but I certainly like the the initial concept and then the imagery or, or visuals of the ship getting swallowed up that was kind of neat yeah um, but but yeah after yeah I don't know I'd say it's a one you could skip
1: yeah and Curtis what, what are your thoughts?
3: I'm with Ragnar. Uh, it started out cool. Um, but I think, didn't Voyager also get, like, swallowed up by a ship? was the, it the Saurians that did that? To yeah,
2: the, the the dinosaur people.
3: Yeah. Which, I can't <laughs> help thinking think of that old dinosaur show every time I watch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have a lot to add. It's, it started out <laughs> cool, but, um, yeah, it just it plotted along. I, I mean, it was cool to see Tucker, um, Oh, what's
1: the actor's name?
3: Um, it was cool to see him have some, you know, a little bit of fun outside mm-hmm. of of Tucker. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't skip it, but I don't, it's not riveting. It's good enough. It's a decent Star Trek episode.
1: Yeah, he actually um, came to Vulcan, I want to say in 2012. Um, I was going to go that year, but... I ended up getting switched crews at work and I couldn't, I couldn't get the weekend off. It was him, Walter Koenig, and there was somebody oh, yeah. else. And oh, I yeah, I think, uh,
3: was- and Richard, we wasted our trip going to Vegas that year to see. Avery. <laughs> Damn
4: it. Yeah. And oh I-
2: yeah. We definitely wasted our trip going to see, you know, fucking Seeing Avery oh. Brooks and then oh. something
3: down next to, uh um, What's his name at Burger King? Who'd we run into? Travis Mayweather.
2: Travis Mayweather. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, what's his? What's the actor's name? Oh no, I've,
1: Anyways, great job. Yeah. Love that guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Excellent. Um. All right. Uh. Episode forty-five of the series, nineteenth of the season. Judgment. Starting unknown. Directed by James L. Conway. Teleplay by David A. Goodman. Story by Taylor Elmore and David A. Goodman. Original air date April 9th, 2003. Um, Captain Archer appears before a Klingon tribunal charged with attacking a Klingon spaceship in and inciting rebellion. This episode guest stars J.G. Hertzler as a Klingon lawyer. Bacula picked this episode as a favorite of his. Um, so yeah, J. G. Hertzler. Uh, we have uh, the uh, Dur- uh, Duras' grandpa, I guess, um, or maybe great great grandpa. Anyway, he's known simply known as Duras. Um, and also, there's a D. J. Lockhart, who plays Klingon Selgard. Um, he is not related to me, as far as I know. Um, (laughs) I, I like, I like this episode. Uh, I thought, you know, we got to see Rora Pente, um, again, um, JG Hertzler, you know, um, love him, you know, as a Klingon. And I, and I liked, the the fact that Archer kind of, you know, like he, like JG Hertzler kind of like his character, um, Advocate Kolos, um. Kind of just was, you know, gave up, you know, like he, he uh, wasn't really, didn't really, you know, kind of just put, you know, went along with what the system and, and it was uh, Archer that convinced him to, you know, really to fight. And then as a result, he gets sent to prison. And then at the end of the episode, when when they bust Archer out, um, Kolos remains on Rorapente. Um he's deciding to obey the law that he has served for so long with honor. Um I I you know I kind of wish he would have went with Archer and would have become part, <laughs> part of the crew but um oh that would have been sweet. Yeah. But I mean it, you know true to to you know the honor that 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 character had. Um Richard what are your thoughts sir?
2: Honestly, it kind of just felt like Star Trek Six, you know, just the same like Klingon court and going to Ropente. Mm-hmm. It was it was alright. It's not a bad episode. I just you know, it just felt like kind of re rehashed storylines. And I did love J.G. Hertzler; like he was great in it as always. But honestly, it's not one of my favorites
1: well not just not just that but like you know like them going to Rora Pente. you got to think like the klingon empire's got to have other prisons like you know like it, it would have been cool to see some sort of different prison but
2: it would have been and honestly they probably just chose that one because everyone knows that name they're like oh yeah, yeah we know what rorapente <clears throat> is and it like evokes a certain response mm-hmm. and that's that's probably why they did that
1: and they probably still were using the same same sets that they used in that, you know, because those were, like, the cave Planet Hell sets, so they probably still had them kicking around. Um, Ragnar, what are your thoughts, sir?
4: Well, it was awesome to see, you know, the Klingon, again, mm-hmm. our favorite, like, Advocate Martok, you know. I know that's not the character's name, but that's what I called him. Um, so that was fun. Um, but as a whole, yeah, kind of a little rehashed, kind of maybe even a bit predictable even. Um, although I did love just that, like, the Klingons have this grudge against Archer and they're not going to let go. I thought that was kind of fun. Um... Yeah, don't really have anything else to say that hasn't already been said.
1: And I and I also kind of like that they've that they did use the duaras family in here because we know that they are a powerful family, um, you know, in the time of of the next generation. And you know, you got to figure, you know, if if the duaras that we know from TNG was a douchebag, that his ancestors would also be douchebags. Um, so I kind of like that, <laughs> I like that continuity. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts, sir?
3: I want to break the mold here. I'm usually not the one who's excited on this panel about Klingon episodes, but I really like this one. Mm-hmm. And not so much for yeah. what happens, but for what you can read between the lines. Um, it just shows that, like, here we are 200 years before War 2 or, two or 300, <coughs> 250... We're a few centuries before Worf is forced to accept discommodation mm-hmm. in order to protect the Empire from its own corruption. And here we are, it's the same damn family trying to hold on to what power they have or grab more than they deserve. And there's like this, this rot that's starting to eat away at like the center of the Empire. And, you know, you could go so far as to say, like, just the center of, like, the Klingon spirit really is starting to be corrupted. And every time someone looks the other way, it gets a little worse. And the Advocate, who ironically is played by Martok, who, of course, becomes Chancellor at the end of Deep Space Nine to sort of, like, usher in a new era, He's that actor plays a character who's like, way back then, also standing up against that that Mm -hmm. same sort of like infiltrating corrupting force. And we know that he probably died in that prison because Duras is still a powerful family hundreds of years later, you know, despite these dishonorable deeds going back so far in their family line. You know, it was just some cool narrative establishment for the Klingons, which to me before this were kind of lacking in like I like that deep lore, you know, I like to know mm-hmm. what happened before, what happened to get things to be this way, what are those? What are their old stories, what are their legends, you know. And this is kind of one of those things that it's like, oh, so this happened, but it got kind of swept under the rug by everything that's happened in the preceding centuries. So yep. personally, I really enjoy it. It's one of the Klingon episodes that I thoroughly
1: enjoy. Excellent. Um, all right, well the next episode is forty-sixth of the series, twentieth of the season, and that is Horizon. Star date, january tenth, twenty one fifty-three. Uh directed by James A. Contner. Uh written by Andre Bormanis. Original air date april sixteenth, two thousand and three. Um Alright, so um for this episode. Um, when the ship detours to observe volcanic activity on a planet, Ensign Mayweather, uh, played by Anthony Montgomery, takes the opportunity to visit his family on board the ECS horizon. Uh, so we get to meet, uh, Mayweather's parents in this episode. And, uh, yeah, it, um, uh, wasn't a bad episode, I don't think. Um, in my opinion, not, not one of the more memorable ones. Um, it was okay. Uh, let's see here, uh, Ragnar. Your thoughts?
4: Um, I like that he finally goes home, Mayweather, and then home kind of sucks. <laughs> you know, everything has changed since he's left. Things aren't aren't quite as as he remembered, there's there's some problems, and he's sort of the outsider looking in now, you know people can't quite relate to him because he's Starfleet and, and they think he's too good for them, and so they're in a whole bunch of situations that he could really help them, but they really don't want his help Um, so I, I thought that was neat, I thought that was a really neat um, kind of like world building Filling in the world, showing showing more of the backstory of the characters. Um, I quite enjoyed that part, and I like the the B plot where they're watching Frankenstein, and uh, to Paul turns it into like uh, an insight into human Vulcan relations. I thought that was also quite funny,
3: and recommends it to Soval Yeah, this should, this should right. be part of the human orientation. <laughs>
4: Um, but as a whole, I don't think it's all that exciting of an episode, and I, I mean, you could totally skip this episode, and and I don't think there'd be any consequences on the rest of the series. Yeah. Uh, So, so, and, and also, you, you know, if you didn't like the character of Mayweather, then you won't like this episode, and if you like Mayweather, then you'll really like this episode.
1: See, I, I don't know if anyone, is there anyone that doesn't like Mayweather? Like, he, you know, like, he's... Not a bad guy.
4: He just doesn't get a lot of screen time. No, no. Like You know, like he's in the main cast, and he's in almost every episode, but he doesn't get a whole lot of screen time.
1: Yeah. He's not part of the big three, either. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, Curtis, your thoughts, well, sir? I,
3: I, just to follow up with what Ragnar said, he doesn't get a lot of screen time, but I think it's for... The same reasons that we discussed at the very beginning of our talks about Enterprise is they only got four seasons. I think that if we could have had more seasons, they would have found ways to work those characters in. But as far as this episode goes, you should talk to Richard first because he's got a really cool story about this episode.
1: All right, Richard, take it away.
3: <laughs> well, if you don't know what it is, I'll tell it. But but you go ahead.
2: Uh, you know, I have to jog my memory because... Okay.
3: so um, as we mentioned when Richard and I went to Las Vegas in 2012 we ended up sitting next to Anthony Montgomery Mm -hmm. at the, uh, the Burger King Burger Bar and before he chowed down he was gracious enough to answer a question that Richard had and Richard asked him what his favorite episode was and he said it was this one because it was where they finally got to you know get into his character a little bit and get to know like who is Mayweather And uh, so that's, like, it's his favorite episode. So I just I figured Richard would have wanted to tell that story because it was him who who got to ask the question.
2: Right, right. Sorry. Your memory is definitely better than
3: mine. (laughs) Well, that was kind of like a big moment, man. (laughs) How often do you have a burger next to a freaking helmsman of the Enterprise? Come on, now.
2: Not often, but it's... Anyways.
3: It's happened once. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I actually really like this episode. I love the you know the going back home and like checking out things and you see sort of like the um, the rift that's kind of been caused between him and some of his family, like his older brother who's sort of taken over the ship after his dad died. And yeah, I I like it, but I was just thinking to myself, they wanted to watch Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein and son of Frankenstein and possibly the Abbott and Costello Frankenstein. That's like eight to ten hours of movies. <laughs> the fuck are they doing watching movies for eight to ten hours? Like and those chairs, those chairs are not comfortable. Like look at those damn chairs. There's no way they're sitting on their asses for eight hours watching movies. Yeah. But yeah, I the only was...
3: other thing to do, like watch a volcano for a week?
2: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly, I like this episode. I think it's a lot of fun, and I love the episodes where it shows uh, Mayweather in the sweet spot of the ship, where the gravity is sort of like variable. Oh yes, but, yeah. Man, I would I would hang out there all the time. But yeah, great episode. Not relevant to the story, but I find it enjoyable, and I personally don't skip it.
1: Excellent. Um. When you guys mentioned the Helmsman of the Enterprise, it got me thinking about something that um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on. One thing that drove me nuts with Voyager, and then on the Defiant... Well, the Defiant, it kind of made sense. But on Voyager, it kind of drove me nuts. And then Enterprise kind of drove me nuts. I liked it when on the... Inter- on uh, TNG, the Enterprise, and the original series Enterprise, when you had your helmsman and your operations officer sitting in the front. You know, like, you know, when you'd have, like, Data and Wesley up in the front, and then every once in a while, you know, like, Data would, you know, nod at Wesley, you know, if they're, you know, thinking of something. and Like, I like that camaraderie between those two positions. Then on Voyager, they made the helmsman ju- at, just up front. And then, for some reason, Enterprise did the same thing. Like, I wish they had had, like, two stations where it was, like, Mayweather and then somebody, somebody else. Um, you know, I just, I, I just you know, like, I don't know. Like, it, I just, it always kind of bugged me just having the helmsman up in the front. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Do you like two people up front or just one person?
3: Now that you mention it, I think I'm with you there. You know, Tom Paris up front look a little lonely it would have made for such like him and harry Kim got on so well yeah it would have been cool to have them side by side at the front of the ship instead of having ensign kim in the back
2: not ever getting promoted ever yeah (laughs) (laughs) that man that makes me salty even even
4: to this day
3: Well, the good news is, if you play Star Trek Online, you get to talk about (laughs) (laughs) it. I
4: can't believe we made it this far into the recording before you mentioned Star Trek Online. (laughs) Uh, It took everything I had to wait.
1: (laughs) Uh, Ragnar, Rich, your guys' thoughts. Uh, I I already
2: had one.
4: In in
1: the case of Enterprise, the, the
4: ship's deck is so much smaller but I thought it made sense to only have one person sitting in that position because Mm -hmm. I think that's the way the ship is laid out. And then if you think about it, when you then the next series, if you watch in a chronological order, would then be the original series and they're on a much bigger ship and it's supposedly much more advanced, so they would need two people to do those kind of jobs. So I think that that makes sense um, until you get to Voyager and you're right. In Voyager, it's like was there a reason behind this cuz there could have been or was it just we wanted to make it as different from enterprise as we could so we made sure there was only one person in that in that position mm.
2: well but in enterprise it was one so why why not make it two well, yeah, we could have
1: see uh, so in that way it's kind of like kind of similar right yeah see- like, for me, like, on the Defiant, like, it kind of made sense, because, and maybe maybe that's why they did it on Voyager, because, like, with the whole Borg thing, like, the, the Defiant was built to, to fight the Borg, and then all the subsequent ships after that were, you know, oh, were, were designed more for, well, like, not more for combat, but leaning more towards combat than they ever had been before, right? So I guess having just your helmsman up front, you know, makes more sense, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I just, like like I said, I just wish there was some, you know, you had that camaraderie. But on Enterprise, though, they don't really have an operations officer. Like, T'Pol is the science officer, but she's also kind of like the operations officer, too. Like, you know, like, but between her and, um, uh. Malcolm
3: results too a lot.
1: Yeah. Between the two of them, they're the ones that are like sending out the probes, you know, going over data, that sort of thing, right? So I guess maybe at that point they didn't really have an ops position. So I, I
2: don't no, know. No, it was more like spread out as opposed to like an individual.
1: Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Task, yeah. Right? yeah. So Anyway, I just, like I said, I just kind of miss the camaraderie. Like, you had, like, Sulu and Chekhov, like, you know, giving nods to each other. Data and and, and Wesley or Data and Roe. Um, but anyway, that was just, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Um, Alright, so the next episode is episode 47th of the series, 21st of the season. And that is The Breach, Stardate Unknown, directed by... Lieutenant Paris, uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. Story by Daniel McCarthy. Teleplay by Chris Black and John shaibon Original air date, April 23rd, 2003. Um, the Enterprise is asked to evacuate three Denobulan geologists from a planet after its controlling government is taken over by a militant faction. Um... So I don't have a lot to say about this episode um, other than uh, one of a little side note. Um, so The Breach originally aired on April 23, 2003 on UPN. It aired at the same time as an episode of Dawson's Creek, which was also directed by Robert Duncan McNeil. So he had two episodes debuting at the same time on two different networks as a director. Um, Alright. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's go with Richard. What are your thoughts, sir?
2: I actually I like this episode <clears throat> because the B-plot, I guess, is the race that the, the Nobilans have, like, a blood feud with, mm-hmm. and it's sort of doesn't really fix any of that but it creates like dialogue because the nobelins were raised to hate these people and these people were raised to hate the nobelins. and then you know flocks kind of like gets a little bit past it and and the other guy maybe sees some of the like futile nature of that and maybe perhaps there might be some future for those two races so like I really like that like the beginning of like a little bit of a reconciliation between the two uh, it might take multiple generations, but potential. Um, and it also sort of, like, introduces the tribbles, which I love tribbles, except for the fact that they breed, as flocks would say, prodigiously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the main plot, honestly, could have been the B-plot. It was just going into a cave, somebody gets hurt, grabbing some dudes, and heading out. So, like, it wasn't that exciting. I actually was much more interested in what the b-plot was about
1: um so for this episode correct me if i'm wrong is this the one where where flocks tells the story about like his, he doesn't he hasn't talked to his son whatever because his son didn't understand like his dad's hatred towards these people um
2: i think it was wasn't it opposite where is he didn't agree with like to continue hatred, but his son was like, "Oh, I don't
1: actually like these people." Oh, I can't, I can't remember, but yeah, I remember something about that. And then, the, and then he ends up trying to call his son, right? Like, write an and write a letter to him. Yeah, okay. Um, Ragnar, your thoughts, sir?
0: Um,
1: don't have a whole lot to say that
4: wasn't already said. Um, I like that, you know, Flocks, you know follows the the ethics code I guess like you know the, the patient the patient has wished that I don't treat him so I'm not going to treat him because that's what the patient asked for
0: yeah
4: even though you can sort of tell that flocks would like to treat him and 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 so I thought that was kind of a neat idea and i mean flocks is is a wonderful character very well portrayed a uh, great actor clearly
0: mm-hmm. um
4: and I as a general rule, Flox is one of my favorites in the show and his, he's kinda weird and eccentric and I will al- always get a kick out of him, even if it's an episode that isn't all that exciting, his parts will still be entertaining to me. Yep. Um so for me this was a fairly enjoyable episode. It's it's fairly light, it's fairly forgettable, but it was it was okay, you know. Yeah. It's a standard season two Enterprise
1: episode for me.
4: Good, not amazing. They didn't hit their stride yet, in my opinion.
1: Yep. Um. And uh, Curtis, did you have anything you wanted to add?
3: Oh, really? I'm, I'm pretty much with the on the tail end of what Ragnar said. You know, it was um, enjoyable enough. Pretty chill, pretty light. You know, Denobulans are cool really about all i got Excellent. uh i didn't much care for for the b plot with flocks and that guy who just couldn't get over himself that kind of got old to me after a while but yeah good enough episode
1: all right uh the next episode is 48th of the series 22nd of the season and that's congenitor stardate unknown directed by geordie laforge lavar burton written by rick berman and brian brogger original air date april 30th 2003. Um, Alright, so while exploring a hypergiant star, the Enterprise makes first contact with an advanced and friendly, friend, very friendly alien race known as the Viscians. The two starships crews are happy to intermingle. Uh, Commander Tucker becomes intrigued as he meets a Viscian couple in the mess hall, accompanied mm. by a third member of their race, and learns that, be- that That being, which has no name, is a congenitor, a third gender in Visian biology. Congenitors are needed to complete reproduction. They do not genetically contribute to offspring, but supply an enzyme required for fertilization. Since congenitors only constitute 3% of the population, Visians must apply to have a congenitor assigned to them and when they intend to conceive a child, congenitors are considered mentally deficient and are not citizens on equal terms with men and women. Um, all right, so for this episode, um, uh, interesting concept, you know, like uh, you know, you know, again, Star Trek. I think um, you know, being ahead of its time. You know, when they're talking about a third gender, you know, with uh, what's happening nowadays with, you know, with uh, different genders and, and that sort of thing uh, happening in our society. It's uh, kind of interesting. Uh, but one person I wanted to, to, to mention in this episode was Andreas Katsoulis, uh, who played the Visian captain, uh, Um Andreas Katsoulis, uh, for those who don't know, played Jakar on Babylon 5. Uh, he was also. Ah. That's right. He did. He's such well, was such a good actor. Oh yeah, he's amazing. And uh, he also played uh, Commander Tomalock on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um. So yeah, I love loved that uh, he was on this episode and, um, I wish we had seen him again on Enterprise. Unfortunately, we never did. Um. And unfortunately, Andreas Katsulas passed away in two thousand. I believe it was two thousand and six. Yeah. Um, I think from one Cancer, if I remember correctly. But great, honorable
3: actor. mention. He also played the one-armed villain from The Fugitive. Yep. Harrison Ford.
1: Yep. He was the one-armed man. Um, and yeah, like like I said, like on, on Babylon Five, Jakar is such an amazing character, and Andreas Katsulas is such an amazing actor. Like, his I mean, he was wearing like. So much prosthetics. Uh, and yet he could convey so much emotion and gravitas. Um, you know, amazing actor. Um, Curtis, what are your thoughts on this episode?
3: Um, so I was going to mention Andreas Katsoulis. You already did. I was, uh, <laughs> I'll point out F.J. Rio, who plays the chief engineer, was also yeah. Muniz or Muniz from Deep Space Nine. He uh, was the crewman who died on an episode called The Ship when they, they found that Dominion ship that had the... Um,
1: the Changeling.
3: Um, the Changeling in it yep. that was dying. Uh, so yeah, I was trying to figure out where in the heck I had seen him before. Yeah, that's he, where.
1: he was uh, um, O'Brien's guy, right? Yes. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. He yeah, was... I think he was on Voyager as well i want to say he was on voyager episode i could be wrong um, well i mean obviously it works for them uh <laughs> so what i found fun about this episode well I don't know if fun's the right word but uh, trip kind <clears> of <throat> judges their species as lacking compared to humans Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that evolution would seem to favor this other species because they've got all this advanced technology, you know, if you were following the science, quote unquote, you would almost be forced to conclude that like this is this is a perfectly acceptable, you know, way to run a society. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. And I have a gripe. It doesn't make sense that that ship can fly within the hydrogen layer of a star, which I'm assuming he means the hydrogen burning layer. It's it's underneath the photosphere anyway. And it took until TNG for the rest of the galaxy to be able to fly through a corona. The mm-hmm. corona is kind of just the halo around the star. Yep. And this ship, you know, 300 years, 200 years prior to that, is just flying right into, like, the actual hydrogen in the star itself, which is cooler than the Corona, but it's, it's got a lot more pressure. Like that's that hydrogen's all getting crammed into itself to, to be turned into helium and it spits out a neutron. And that's what gives us sunlight. Anyway, uh, it just, it didn't really it doesn't apply for me that they'd be able to do that so early, you know, yeah. like with, with, how small the galaxy is and enterprise and how large the galaxy is in in tng it doesn't make sense that it would take them that long to catch up yeah especially with how like seemingly willing this race is to uh share their technology it seems like they would have figured it out before you know a Ferengi scientist's research met with dr crusher's recklessness yeah uh, <laughs> but you know it's an enjoyable enough episode i dig it excellent
1: uh rich your thoughts well,
2: setting aside Star Trek's sort of like ham-handed attempt at sort of um, you know trying to sway people into a certain type of thinking, which I don't think is something that media should do in general. But aside from all that, Trip was judging them based on his own culture,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which I think is a mistake, being that you're raised in a certain culture, this is how things are done, and this is a different culture with different morals, different everything. It doesn't make them less right or wrong, it just makes it part of their culture. And being a complete outsider, I don't know that he personally had any business getting into things the way he did. Um, aside from that, like, it is an interesting concept of like three people involved in in like that fashion of procreation um, but yeah, it's just strip has a bad habit of doing silly things and he just needs to not do that because he's he's a, he's a down south like southern boy, and he just needs to like mind his own sometimes, you know. You'd think getting
3: pregnant would have taught him. Guess
2: not. <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently not. Yep. And, yeah, so, like, yeah, aside from all that, I like the episode. Love Andreas Kassoulas. Fantastic actor. He was in a number of other movies that I watched. There's one that I can't remember the name, but it's something with Orton's. Lots of Ordens. He's been in, in so much, man. So many right. And and Curtis is right. The whole concept of like flying into like the, 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 one of the densest parts of the star that you can theoretically fly into, just willy nilly, no big deal. You know, it's like being able to travel to the bottom of the ocean. You know, no big deal. It's super easy. Right? Anybody can do it. But aside from that, good episode. I uh, I enjoyed it. Aside from uh, wanting to smack
1: Trip upside the head, it was great. Yeah. Um Ragnar, your thoughts.
4: Well, um to to maybe um counter a little bit of what Richard was saying there, I think that Tripp's point was also that they're saying this third gender isn't intelligent, but he discovers or proves that they are, mm-hmm. and so I think a little bit of him is is saying, well, they're you know they're treating this third gender like like an animal, you know, they're like a yeah, like a subpar class, <clears throat> and and I think part of his objection is to that. Um, but again, Richard is right; he is judging it through his own culture's le- lens.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: But that's also interesting because, you know. This is pre-Federation, so that was much more common. That, that would have happened all the time. Um, and then I also thought the concept of more than one gender and, and needing three genders to, to procreate was interesting. Uh, I kind of wish they'd explored that a bit further. I'm not entirely sure what that would have looked like and perhaps would have just got too preachy. But I thought that was interesting. Uh, however, as a whole, it's kind of a dull episode. So, hmm. another like, yeah, it was good, but you could totally skip it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. So I uh, recently I watched. Um, I think it was the twentieth anniversary of Babylon Five. Um, I want to say it was in Dallas back in two thousand and thirteen. Like they like they did this reunion thing. Um, and it was on YouTube. I just watched it recently. And anyway, this, you know, speaking of Andreas Katsoulis, um, Jerry Doyle, who played Michael Garibaldi, who also after this convention, unfortunately passed away, I believe in 2016, um, shared a story about Andreas Katsoulis, which I thought was really funny. He was, uh, it was when they were filming Babylon 5, Jerry Doyle, I think, Split up from his wife, so he was living with Andreas Katsoulis at his house, and he said, like, you know, there wasn't much for in the way of groceries in the house, so he went to the grocery, this grocery store that was nearby, and spent like, you know, a couple hundred bucks on groceries, brought all these gro- all these groceries home. Um, so when Andreas got home, uh, he saw all this all these groceries in his house, and he asked Jerry Doyle, like, well, where'd you get these groceries? And he said, well, I'll just, uh, you know, store around the corner. He's like, well, did you get the ham? And he's like, well, what do you you mean? He's like, well, if you spend over, like, $100 or whatever, you get, like, a free ham. Like a, you know, like this, whatever, $10 ham or whatever it is. And he's like, no, I didn't get it. He's like, what? Well, go back there and tell them, you know, you want your ham. He's like, well, I'll just go buy a ham. Like, I, I don't need the ham. Um... And he's like, "Well, you should go back." He's like, "Well, I don't even have the receipt anymore. I think I threw it away." So anyway, the next day, he like Jerry Doyle had to go film, and Andreas Katsulas didn't. So when he come home after filming, he he went uh, you know through the backyard or whatever, and he noticed there was all this garbage all over the place. He's like, "What the hell's going on here?" And Andreas Katsulas uh, was going through the garbage looking for the receipt. for these groceries so he could get this free ham and he like he and i guess he was literally like on his knees going through the garbage and he looked up at jerry doyle and he said if you tell anybody i will kill you um so at at this yeah at this anniversary thing like he's like well i don't have to worry about him killing me because he's you know unfortunately he's gone so i i can share the story now um but yeah i guess he was he was known for being a really heavy smoker. Um, and I guess he was also known for being kind of cheap. So it, it was a funny story. Um, I highly recommend checking that out on, on YouTube. Um, and it's crazy. Like Babylon 5, so many stars from that show have passed away. Like it, it's crazy. And, they're, and, they, and none of them were that old. Like, I think Andreas Katsulas, I think, was in his 50s when he died. Like, you know, like, it, he wasn't very old. Um, but anyway, we'll move on. Um, I think the only ones left are
2: Delenn and Sheridan.
1: Nope, Delenn oh, passed that. away. Delenn passed oh, away right. last
2: she year. she did, she did.
1: Uh, the, only, the only ones that are left is Bruce Box, Leitner, Sheridan, Claudia Christian as Ivanova. Um, right, right. Let me think here. Bill Mooney as Lanier. Um, yeah. Uh, Tracy Scoggins as Lockley. Uh, but yeah, it's crazy. Like Jeff Conaway passed away. Jerry Doyle. Uh, Stephen First, you know, who played Lanier. Oh, Londo's still around. Um, he, yeah. He's still alive. Wait, Londo is? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah.
2: And I think Talia, too.
1: Yes, yeah, and I, but I think Talia actually is either dating or married to J. Michael Straczynski now, which is awesome. Really, yeah, because she because you know, the, it's awesome that they met on the show or whatever. But she's also like super hot still, and she's like in her sixties, like it's crazy. She like that woman does not age, and you know, aside from her many guest appearances as extras on on Star Trek. Um various Star Trek series, she was also the stunt double for Nana Visitor on Deep Space Nine. Uh, aside oh, from playing Tali on Babylon right. Five.
3: Who, who is also totally hot despite being
1: her <laughs> Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, when we met her that year, oh my god. She was so beautiful. And Lita at the I, same time. I
3: have never seen a smile like that before since that woman left the room right up.
1: Oh yeah. And uh Rene was super awesome, nice guy too. Really friendly guy.
2: Um, a little bit quirky, but I, I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah, you yeah, he was great. Um, all right, well let's move on. We got four more episodes uh, for the season. Uh, so the next one, 49th of the series, 23rd of the season, regeneration. Star date March first, twenty one fifty three. Directed by David Livingston. Written by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strawn. Original air date May seventh, two thousand and three. Um, let's see. Here's so, uh, the, 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 the episode. Okay. Um. A research team in the Arctic inadvertently triggers the reanimation of several cybernetically enhanced aliens killed in an apparent spacecraft crash over 100 years ago. Hmm. I wonder where they came from. The aliens assimilate the researchers before escaping into space. The Enterprise pursues the ship and is attacked, forcing Archer to destroy the vessel. Afterwards, they discover that the aliens sent a message into the Delta Quadrant containing the coordinates of Earth a message that will not arrive until the twenty fourth century. Dun 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 dun. Um. Yeah, we we got we got a Borg episode, and uh, apparently a, a retcon because we ass- like we assumed. Originally, in the TNG episode Q, who when Q introduced the Enterprise to the Borg, that was the first time that the Borg became aware of the Federation. Uh, but I guess they already knew, and they were on their way. Um. But I guess this—I guess that was Q's way of preparing the Federation for the Borg invasion. Uh, this was an all-right episode. Um, again, it's kind of like that Ferengi episode of Enterprise where. They don't, you know, like, we don't hear about them being the Borg, and I don't know, like, with the whole cybernetic thing, like, again, this is a retcon, because, you know, the the crew of the Enterprise D, you know, if they would have looked up, you know, cyborgs and stuff, they would have seen this encounter, um, but anyway, nitpicking aside, it was, it was an all right episode. Um Ragnar your thoughts
4: Well I I got to say I thought this was the best episode of season 2 Um it it almost had a horror movie feel to it at mm-hmm. times especially the beginning sequence Yep And I loved the Borg and I thought it was a pretty good retcon as far as retcons go I thought this was decently plausible and not done just for fan service um and the borg are a scary threat and they always have been and they always will be uh until you get to star trek Picard when they stop making sense but right up until then they're they're scary and and great um and yeah I, this this to me was the best episode of the season. And when I go back and rewatch season two, this will probably be the only episode I watch.
0: <laughs>
1: so yeah. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts?
3: First of all, if that was your dachshund sanding something right now, can you give her a pet for me? That that
1: is, <laughs> is that, that dog? That's not for my end. That's uh, that's somebody else. <laughs>
3: Oh no, okay. me. Okay. It kind of sounded similar. <laughs> I,
1: I I thought maybe Ragnar was was uh rubbing his beard or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no.
3: Alright, fair enough. Um all right, so to the episode. I I will admit, at first, when I first saw this episode, I was not a fan. Um because I am a lore whore. I mm-hmm. like the backstory, it's really War important whore. to me. <laughs> that's what they call it in video games so i I figured it it translates pretty well um i'm forced to begrudgingly like this episode uh just because upon further reflection yeah i mean i think that they they did a retcon but they did it in such a way that it's extremely plausible i don't think it's just a little plausible i think that like they left me with no way to definitively prove that it was a retcon. It was yeah. really sneakily and well done. Yeah. And I, I I will begrudgingly give them respect for that. Um other than that, I don't have a lot to say on the episode. It's I begrudgingly accept it. That's that's all I have, really.
1: And Richard, your thoughts.
2: I'm pretty much right there with Curtis. Um I've always tried to wrap my head around like how to debunk that particular Retcon theory, but I don't know you, if I can. You, you can't though. like I'm forced
3: right, to I, conclude that this was how the board came to know of humanity and that Q, despite his impishness, was making and I think if you put it if you think about it in that context, Q did the best favor for Picard Mm -hmm. that he could have done. He let the Borg punch him in the face. Like, look, this is what you're up against. These guys are not playing around, and you need to get it together. Because they're going to kill people. And if you think losing a section of your saucer is bad, wait till they get to Wolf 359. You know? Wake
1: up. So I I appreciate it for that. And Ragnar, your thoughts?
4: Oh, you already did me. Oh, did I?
1: Oh. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, a a couple things I wanted to add there. I always thought it was weird that Gyna knew about the Borg, but yet, you know, they didn't tell the Federation, like, hey, you know, our world got decimated by these guys. You know, they might be coming your way. You know, you might want to prepare. So I always thought that was weird that Gynon's, you know, the, the Elorians or whatever, um, never warned the Federation, apparently. Or if they did, well, I, maybe it was yeah, classified they, they information? Have. They could have they just probably, fallen on deaf ears.
2: They probably did, well, but the, uh, the, the Federation was, at that time, pretty damn arrogant. And they're probably like, nah, they're so far away. that and We're not worried about that right now. We got, you know, bigger fish to fry right now. That's well, and we don't really,
3: we don't have a definitive understanding of the motivations of the Elorians. Uh, they're a race mm-hmm. of listeners, not a race of, hey, we're going to spill all the secrets to you. Yeah. You know, that's a good point.
1: That is like, true.
3: Like, we, we don't know what makes them tick, really, other than one of them went crazy and tried to get, you know, blew up a star to serve his own ambitions. But Yeah. Yeah, we just we just don't know.
1: And, and I will concur with uh, Curtis, um, with the with the Q uh, conundrum. Um, I always thought, yeah, he did that on purpose. Like, he did them a favor, a solid, because I really think if he hadn't, the Federation would have been taken out. Like, if they didn't well, have that... Well, and
3: he did it. Sorry, please finish.
1: I was going to say, that, that time that they had to prepare, you know, is what, you know, you know... Well, I guess it was data hacking into the Borg, but you know, if they had no knowledge, I mean, I really think they would have been taken out. Like Q was doing them a favor by by doing that. But sorry, well, Kurt, he it was
3: he was saying it in in the only effective language. Like if you just walked up to Picard and be like, "Hey, there's this race of super powerful cyborgs." No, Q knew he had to make the point hard. Yeah, and he did. <clears throat> yep. Now we're talking about TNG, so I'm going to shut up and get back to Enterprise.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, 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 but I mean it ties in because yeah, with this whole retcon, on, you know, and I like how they did it. Like, you know, I do, I do agree that it makes sense. You know, like that maybe the Borg were on their way anyway, right? Um, mm-hmm. because originally when I, I mean, you know, all, when I watched, Well that would
3: have been Section Thirty-One info anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, well, originally I just assumed the Borg were, you know, like that cube was just, you know, exploring space. You know, like they were just citing people to conquer, but actually they were probably on their way already. Uh, but anyway, you know, the, it, it, this was a good episode. Um, all right, so the next episode is episode 50 of the series, 24th of the season, and that is First Flight, starting Unknown. Directed once again by Geordie LaForge, LeVar Burton. Written by John Shaibon and Chris Black. Original air date, May 14th, 2003. Um, so the episode after Captain Archer informed the death of his former colleague, A.G. Robinson, uh, played by Keith Carradine, he relates the story of breaking the Warp 2.5 barrier to T'Pol while investigating a dark matter nebula. Um, so once again, we had, uh, Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral slash Commodore Forrest, uh, Keith Carradine, um, a brother to David Carradine as A.G. Robinson. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like this episode. Um, the episode received, uh, and uh, unfortunately this is, uh, Critical receptions of the episode is mostly positive, with praise directed at Scott Bakula. The episode received the second lowest number of viewers received by Enterprise at that point, which was blamed on being aired opposite the series finale of Dawson's Creek. Um, yeah, Dawson's Creek, good times. Um, but yeah, Keith Carradine, I, I really like Keith Carradine, he's a good actor. Um and yeah, like David Carradine, uh, was in, was in Kung Fu and, and Kung Fu the Legend continues. Um, and and, kill Bill. And kill Bill. Yes, of course. He's Bill. He was Bill. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but Keith Carradine, he also was on a couple seasons of Dexter. And, uh, you know, back when I, well, I actually watched a whole series of Dexter. Um, but the seasons he were, he was in, I really liked. Um, but anyway, uh, Curtis, your thoughts on this episode? I don't
3: have many. This one's kind of a snoozer for me. I, I don't know what it is. I just uh, have a real hard time holding attention
1: on this one. Oh, nothing so wrong with that.
3: This is this is a nap candidate for me.
1: <laughs> uh, Rich, your your thoughts?
2: I actually really enjoy this episode because it goes into a little more detail on how Trip and Archer became, you know, best buddies and the yep. competition between uh Robinson I think it's Robinson. Yep. And and Archer and it showed like one of the very first like warp two or three ships. Two point five. Either warp. Yeah, and it showed that ship which I think looks cool as F, like it looks like a fighter jet in space. It's just kind of badass, in my opinion. And I honestly, I really like this episode. It's uh, it's enjoyable to watch. Some good acting, a lot of like backstory and a little bit of lore, and I like that kind of stuff. And yeah, I'm I'm a fan. Uh, I recommend.
1: Excellent. Um, Ragnar, your thoughts, sir? Um, I thought this was
4: actually. Okay, I I thought the episode was a little bit dull, but the story behind it and the lore within it was pretty interesting. So I would say if you're going to watch this episode, read up on it first, and you'll get more out of it.
1: Yep. Um, One thing I I, I did, I I don't know, like after, um, you know, I did a rewatch of TNG. You know, uh, it was established that Picard and, and Riker are good pilots, right? And and Geordi, because um, like that one episode where the where the Enterprise is stuck in the asteroid field and Picard pilots it out, like he t- he relieves Wesley and takes over the helm. I think is really badass. You know, like that's one of my favorite scenes. You know, him piloting the the Enterprise. Out of danger, um, so I. Ooh, I Great yeah, episode. Yeah, so I like the fact that uh, you know we did this episode with Captain Archer where we get to see him as a pilot, you know, and and you know that aspect of him, um, you know, and then like going back to TNG, like Chain of Command, you know, like Geordi says that you know Riker's the best that, that they have, right? And I mean. He probably would have said Picard if Picard had been there, but Picard wasn't there. So I appreciated that, you know, like these guys in command, you know, are pilots and they have pilot pilot skills. Um, you know, I honestly don't know Cisco's background. I don't think it's ever been established that he was a pilot. Like, I mean, he can pilot, but uh,
2: not. I think his background is engineering, and and production. Not yeah. as focused on pilot. Like, of course, he can fly a shuttle, fly a ship. Yep. That's part of the job of pretty much most Starfleet officers that have to know, basically, uh, like yeah. how to do all the things. Yeah. But some someone like Riker, he focused on and he became basically the best pilot on the Enterprise. And I think I personally, in my head canon, I think that Riker was probably a better pilot than... Than Picard, but Picard, being the captain and being an excellent pilot himself, did have to fly that mission yeah. just because it was his ship, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, and I know Janeway, like her background was si- like she was a science officer. Um. So anyway, like, like you know, I like you know the pilot background and and the fact that like on this episode we get to see a flashback. Um, you know, I kind of wish we could have saw that with uh, with Picard or something. Or, or Riker, but, but anyway, uh, I, I appreciated that they did this on Enterprise. Um, all right. Well, the next episode is episode 51 of the season, or sorry, of the series, 25th of the season, Bounty, or, or date March 21st, 2153, directed by Belana Torres, Roxanne Dawson, uh, teleplayed by Hans Tobison, to Tobishan and Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strawn, story by Rick Berman and Bron and Braga, original air date May 14th 2003 uh, this episode follows on from the story of Judgment where Archer was sentenced to life at River, the River Pentate Gulag but managed to escape the Klingons have put a bounty for his capture so various bounty hunters are pursuing him, the story arc with the Klingons continues into the next episode The Expanse which was the uh, season finale. Uh, the secondary story, uh, Bacterium infects T'Pol and prematurely induces part of the Vulcan mating cycle known as Far, which continues to test the medical skills and professionalism of Dr. Phlox. Um, so for this episode, we were treated to Robert O'Reilly as Kago Dar, um, And yeah... Um, I honestly, I don't know if I seen. I don't remember if I saw this on the the rewatch. I might have skipped this one, so I can't speak too much to it. Uh, Richard, what what are your thoughts, sir? Uh,
2: I enjoy it. It's uh, kind of a fun. I don't know if I want to say like comedy episode, but it is interesting. Um, I like the concept. You know, getting getting bounty hunted by a tellerite right that you know lied to you about something. And then, of course, with the Klingons, so I found it to be pretty pretty fun, pretty uh, pretty good. And then, of course, you know, Archer's got to get in there and get his hands dirty and help out because is getting his ass kicked by somebody else. But, yeah, I, uh,
1: I like it. It's good. Excellent. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts?
3: First and only female Vulcan Ponfar. Come
1: on, how could you skip that, buddy? <laughs> i'm gonna have to go back and watch it you know, especially with the Paul uh, it was a fun
3: epi- oh straight up buddy um she, she actually does a really good job in this episode her and Flocks have a lot of good on-screen chemistry and it's really hilarious to watch mm-hmm. um i find that that Telerite pilot is just delightful too like he's so casually devious but incredibly pragmatic about everything He's just like, well, this is the way it is, and there's nothing you can do. So, you know, tough. Um, yeah, I don't know. Don't have a lot to say, but it is definitely a very enjoyable episode, and uh, it is not on my skip list or my nap list.
1: Well, I'm gonna have. I am gonna have to go back because, like, I totally don't remember Robert O'Reilly being on Enterprise. So, I'm gonna have to go back just to see Robert O'Reilly.
0: I'll um,
3: make you a deal. If you go back and watch this one, I'll go back and watch First Flight and give it another chance. Oh,
1: there you go. <laughs> That's good value. <laughs> <laughs> and Ragnar, your thoughts, sir?
4: Oh, I thought it was great. Um, yeah, it's a fun one, and it builds. It builds into a, a season finale, which launches season three, which is where. In my opinion, things get good, so I definitely would recommend this one. It was fun. It's always a pleasure to see Robert O'Reilly,
0: mm-hmm.
4: uh, even if he's not playing Gal running. It's still fun to see him, and yeah, I'd recommend it. I don't, unfortunately, don't have a whole lot else to say that hasn't been said, but yeah, yeah, good one.
1: Excellent. And that's one thing I loved about you know, like when we get to this era of star trek you know them bringing back like jg Hertzler, robert o'reilly you know they're bringing you know as as playing different characters and they're bringing back you know stars as directors like you know robert duncan mcneil lavar burton roxanne dawson i just think it's great that you know like they kind of had this little little family thing going you know where they're bringing back you know members of the family you know um Especially Jeffrey Combs, you know, like, I mean, they, you know, they really like Jeffrey Combs. So they kept, you know, finding excuses to bring him back. I, I you know, I really like this, this era of, uh, you know, the Roddenberry Berman years. But unfortunately, it's coming to an end. Um, so the next episode is the season finale of season two. Uh, episode fifty-two of the uh, series, twenty-sixth of the season, and that is the Expanse. April twenty-fourth, twenty-one fifty-three is the star date. Directed by Alan Croker, written by Rick Berman and Brian Braga. Original air date May twenty-first, two thousand and three. Um, the Expanse. Uh, The episode launched a change in direction for the series, starting with a cataclysmic cataclysmic attack on the Star Trek version of Earth and introducing a new alien foe, the Zindi. The episode set the foundation for the season-spanning Zindi story arc, encompassing all of Season 3 and the first three episodes of Season 4. As such, the storyline continues in the Season 3 opening episode, The Zindi. Um... So, yeah, this, you know, marked uh, a big change for uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Um, Again, we got Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest, uh, Gary Graham as Saval. We have Duras again coming back. Um, And I just remember this episode, um, you know, my jaw dropping and being like, holy crap, you know, like... It's like a, a mini Death Star, you know, taking a big chunk out of Florida, um, and it killed. You know, they killed millions, including Tucker's uh, sister. Um, and yeah, this is uh, setting up season three, and I, I like I said, we got Captain Duras back in his on bird of prey. And, uh, yeah, this was quite the, the shocking finale. Um, and again, uh, I didn't see this one coming, you know, and I appreciate what they, what they were doing, you know, like in this episode, I don't think, like, we didn't even know who the Zindi were prior to this. We didn't see them in this episode and it was just like, what the hell's going on now? Like, you know, like it, uh. It, it was quite shocking at the time. Uh, Ragnar, what are your thoughts on this episode? Oh, I mean,
4: the second best episode of the season. Uh, it finally kicks off. It starts to get exciting. Things start happening. Um, there are parts of season three where I found the story a little long in the tooth. Mm -hmm. I think that probably has to do with the season being 26 episodes. Perhaps if it was 15 to 20, it might not have felt quite so long, but as a whole, I really enjoyed the Zindi storyline and, and season three. And, and I mean, really, it starts with this episode. So, um, I thought it was awesome. I love that earth was attacked and millions of people died. Um, and, and that hits home for Tucker. Um, and and that last that has some implications for for all of season three. Um, yeah, I I also like the the introduction of the military guys on on Starfleet ships. Makos! Um, you know, very much. I mean, I guess they did it first, but very reminiscent to me of Battlestar Galactica, where you had you know Marines that would join for some missions, and. Um, Yeah, what else can I say? But if you're going to watch season three, you better freaking watch this episode first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, Curtis, your thoughts?
3: Ragnar said it. I mean, this is when it all really kicks off, and this is the one that sparks the season where the show finally finds its stride. Mm -hmm. But I think it's in this episode where uh, T'Pol gets told she's no longer assigned to the Enterprise. Yes, yes. That was and they're going true. back to Vulcan, and then she actually like resigns yeah. so that she can stay on. And mm-hmm. to me, that's sort of like, there were some hints dropped in Season 2 that T'Pol is, is fond of Captain Archer and maybe a little bit more. But being a Vulcan, of course, she has a lot more control over those feelings that i think that i suspect she starts getting in this season and then to see her make a demonstration like i don't think that it's because of logic uh, or whatever like to save earth um i think that factors into it i think she's just really attached to archer at this point and if, if we had had more seasons in the show i think that, that would have really gotten more developed but that, that was one of the bigger things for me in this one was I noticed, like, holy crap, like, this really established and at one time re- ostensibly respected Vulcan just straight up quit and was like, no, I'm following that man.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, that that's a bold statement. um And yeah, I totally dig that the Makos came on and just pissed Malcolm off to no end. I get such a kick out of how irritated he gets.
1: Yep. And, Rich, your thoughts, sir?
2: Are you muted? Yeah, this is a great episode. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. One of my personal favorites. It's just one of the biggest, like, slaps in the face to, like, Earth people. And just, like, guess what, guys? You're not alone, and someone really doesn't like you, so you better buckle up. This is going to be a tough ride for the next like year or so. But yeah, a great episode. I love The Expanse. Honestly, the whole season three in The Expanse, I think, is fantastic. Some people think that it lasted too long. I thought it was great because it was just craziness after craziness and all kinds of cool concepts and ideas and different show ideas and everything like that. This is <clears throat> probably the. Pivotal episode of the whole series, I think one of the most pivotal of the whole series.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to add, like aside from from Duros, um, showing up and, and trying to stir up some shit. Um, Archer is kidnapped by the Sulabon, uh and Silic and he accuses Silic of being responsible for the attack on Earth, but Silic professes his ignorance. Uh, The Cabal sponsor, uh, the vague and shadowy holographic human from the distant future, informs Archer about the temporal Cold War, and that the Zindi, the race that attacked Earth, um, has been told by another Cold War faction that their homeworld will be destroyed in 400 years by humans. So that's why the Zindi are doing this. Um... I, is this the last time we saw that shadowy figure? Was this the episode the last time we seen him?
3: I'm really not sure.
1: I can't remember. Um, I always thought he was a Romulan. Like, I always assumed, but I don't think... We... Whoa. Sorry about that. that I, I hate it. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, um, but I don't think we ever found out if he was a Romulan or not. Like, But anyway... um I can't remember if this is the last time we've seen him, but anyway, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, great episode. Um, so, I guess uh, we'll call this uh, an end to uh, episode or er, season two point five. Before we go though. Um I wanted to ask you guys. Um I can't remember do do any of you guys watch The Expanse at all? Like the oh, the, hell t- yeah, man. the the TV series? Okay, so um the new season starts uh in December and it's only 6 episodes and it's the final season. Um so right there I'm I'm really bummed that we're only getting six episodes, and immediately I was thinking, ah, oh, this is like Game of Thrones, right? Because Game of Thrones yeah, yeah. only had six episodes. But apparently the showrunners, um, I watched a video today, and they did like an interview within this last week or whatever, saying that, no, this is we're well aware that Game of Thrones, you know, what happened that last season, do not worry. We're not dropping the ball here. These six episodes are going to be action packed, and they're going to conclude the series in a way that'll be satisfying to uh, the fans of the show. So,
3: so, so you guys recommend that show? Oh yeah, it's oh, it's great. I've dude, seen it. Awesome. I just I haven't actually clicked on it yet. It's great. Oh yeah, it's it's wicked.
1: Um, uh, Naren Shankar is who was uh, a producer on the Next Generation um, is the showrunner for the or naren chan he was also on deep space nine he was he was a writer on deep space nine i believe um okay uh, he's the showrunner for the series um it's based on a book series called uh well it's called the expanse um but there the ninth book is being released either this month or next month i can't remember but yeah uh, the first the first book's called the leviathan wakes yeah but from what I'm told, from because I've never read the books, uh, there it's on my to-do list. Um, but I was told that uh, for for this, because the writers, because um, it's written by uh, someone called J, I think it's J. A. Corey, which is like yeah. a, a pen name for actually two guys. Um, it's two different people, and they take you know they write the, this series together. And okay. th- and they work on the show, so there's elements of the books that have been not shown in the show, and you know, like they, like you know, this is the sixth season of the Expanse, whereas you know, there's nine books. Apparently, there's things that we're not going to see that are in the books, which uh, might be you know, uh, spun off into a, a spinoff series. Um and i'm assuming the reason why they why they did that is because of the actors because um you know people you know they only have people under contract for a certain amount of time and blah 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 so the, you know they've purposely left out characters from the books that might show up in uh, a future spin-off series um, huh. so you know it it it's it I don't know, the show's really good, I I highly recommend it, um, definitely worth it, and another series I wanted to throw out there real quick is, is Foundation, it's on Apple Plus, it just came out a month ago, I want to say, it's based on the Foundation novels by Isaac Asimov, and it's really good, I I really enjoy it, it's, it's really, uh, well-made, uh, uh, science fiction. And, um, oh, what's his name? Alexander Sadig was in the pilot episode, um, Dr. Bashir. Sure. So, yeah, it's, it, you know, like, um, I, I recommend it. Like I, like I, 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 subscribe to Apple plus anyway, because I'm a big fan of, uh, for all mankind, which is a show by Ronald Moore, who was, you know, uh, one of the writers on one of the producers of deep space nine, that's his show. Um, so then when foundation came out, I was like, yeah, I'm going to check it out. It's, it's space science fiction and it's really good. I got to say, it's really good. Um, all right. Well, I think we can call this an episode, but before we go, let's play that little game of work. Can we find you on the internet? Uh, rich where when, where can we find you, sir?
2: You can find me right here. Every time we do a podcast. Excellent. Uh,
1: Curtis, where can we find you, sir?
3: Yeah, about the same. I pretty much just hang out here yeah, over the internet. <laughs> yeah, hey, there's,
1: there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and Ragnar, where can we find you, sir? If we, if we wanted to, to check out uh, what you're up to, where can we find you? You know, maybe maybe pick up a bottle of beard wash. Yep.
3: Which which I did tonight. <laughs> I <again>. saw that.
4: <laughs> um, RagnarTheTrader.com is my main website. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and Etsy under the same name. And uh, if you're lucky enough, I'll be in your town soon enough for a show. My next show is over the Halloween weekend in Winnipeg at the brand new Winnipeg Comic Con. Nice. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Um, Winnipeg hasn't had a Comic Con since 2018, so should be a lot of fun.
1: Cool. Yeah, I just noticed on Facebook um that uh let's I'm just pulling up the information. The Edmonton Collector Con is going ahead. Um, oh cool. That's always a fun show. Yeah, it's uh yeah, Sunday, November seventh, um, twenty twenty one at the Italian Cultural Center. Sweet. So yeah, I I think I'll be checking that out. Um Oh yeah. Have you have you been to that before? I have. Yeah, I went Oh yeah, okay. a few years ago yeah. with my with my daughter. It, it, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um Yeah. All right. So the next season we will be focusing on of course is season 3.0 of Enterprise, but I like to I like to mix it up. So for our next episode of Trek 1701, uh, we're going to be doing our Top five Star Trek hidden gems. Um, so gentlemen, uh, we're gonna, I'm asking that, uh, we each come up with our individual top five Star Trek hidden gems. Whether it's a specific episode that you like to rewatch over and over again, whether it's a documentary that, you know, about Star Trek that you like, a comic book, a novel, a toy, a game, um, You know, maybe uh, an interact, you know, a Star Trek online or something. Um, You know, what's your top five Star Trek hidden gems? That's what we'll we'll be covering next on Trek
3: 171. Wait a minute. There's a Star Trek video game?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I've heard of it.
3: That's so cool.
1: Um, Yeah, I heard a few things about it. Um, So, anyway... That's, uh, that's what we'll be t- discussing on our next episode of Trek One Seven Zero Alright, so on behalf of myself, Chris Lockhart, Ragnar, Curtis, and Richard, I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to us talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 2.5. This was Trek One Seven Zero One, and we will see you again in the not-too-distant future.